Hey, this is Leslie, host of the Rogue Ones podcast. Thank you for listening to this show. You know, I did this limited series in 2018 and 2019. The world was a wildly different place, but knowing that people are still listening to it now and benefiting from these stories brings immense satisfaction. So thank you. If you want to keep up with my own rogue adventures, you can follow me on Substack. Yes, I have one too. An easy link to find that is leslieethompson.com slash Substack. I write on there frequently, but then I'll also post audio vignettes that don't fit into a typical podcast framework. I've been busy, and I bet you have been too, Rogue One. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Now, here's the episode, and I hope you enjoy. You're listening to the Rogue Ones podcast, conversations with extraordinary people doing fascinating things. Whether you're interested in lifting heavy weights in the gym or not, today's episode is for you. This icon in the world of strength sports provides enough wisdom for everyone. Stick around. My conversation with Jim Windler is coming right up. This is the Rogue Ones podcast with Leslie Eiler Thompson. This podcast aims to introduce you to fascinating rogues living extraordinary lives so that we may, in turn, learn to follow their example. As we know, extraordinary isn't bound to one area of expertise. Niches all over the world are filled to the brim with legends in their field, and we would do well to learn from them. I am married to someone who is my polar opposite, and because of this, I've been fortunate to learn about many new cultures during our almost decade of relationship. Perhaps the most powerful, pun intended, culture he's introduced me to is the wide, wonderful world of strength training, powerlifting, and strongman. I've found that within this culture are some of the most fascinating and roguish people one may ever encounter. If you're in any sort of strength sport, you probably know of this guy. Best known for his 531 program, Jim Wendler is an icon in the world of strength training and powerlifting. To put his legacy into perspective, his first powerlifting program book, written in 2011, has sold over 500,000 copies. Each book goes for $25 a piece. Do the math. And that doesn't include the countless pirated PDFs floating around. Jim is currently a volunteer football coach in his small Ohio community and maintains an online presence by writing blogs, most recently on the subject of Eat, Sleep, Mate, Defend. We will cover what that means later on in the episode. Jim is in Ohio, and I am in Tennessee. I would have preferred to have joined him in Ohio for this conversation, but because that wasn't an option, you're getting a raw conversation recorded over the internet, and the content is totally worth it. I promise. I now have the immense pleasure of introducing you to Jim Windler. Please enjoy our conversation, which begins with us examining the very few similarities between us. You and I have actually a lot in common, which is kind of funny. So we're both from Illinois. I'm from Freeport, Illinois. If you remember the Freeport pretzels, that was us. <laughs> if you ever played the pretzels at any point in time, <laughs> that was us. I don't, I, I, don't uh, I mean, I was well north of you, I think. And Yeah. yeah. Um, our parents are both teachers. Okay. And then we both had uh, a stint in discus. Yeah. Mine, mine was significantly shorter than yours. <laughs> In many ways. <laughs> in high school or junior high or something? Uh, junior high. It was funny. I happened upon it because I'm I'm short and stumpy. And so I wasn't a great runner. And I actually did try hurdles, but it was very yes, bad. And a, then, they're too tall. 
Yeah, they stuck a discus in my hand. And on the first tournament, I happened to get third place. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have a future in this. And then the second tournament, I I was like last. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I don't have a future in this. You know, it's funny because uh, when you get a little older, I wish I would have taken a few more risks in high school. Like I would have liked to have done one play. I don't have a regret. It's been cool to do some other shit that I didn't really, um, I wasn't comfortable doing, I guess is the best way to say Getting up in front of uh, 3,000 or you know, 2,000 people in high school and playing music is very, you know, it's nerve-wracking when there's a lot of parents out there. And we, oh, yeah. Music was, uh, give you an example. Uh, if you played in a band in high school, you occasionally got to sit out three periods and you got to play in the foyer. Oh, yeah, the, sure. Yeah, and then we had two or three battle of bands every year. Um, you know, sponsored by the high school. And then we had like talent shows and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so a freshman year, I saved up my money from my, actually had a paper route for three years. Saved up my money and I worked as a cashier or a bagger at a grocery store. Uh-huh. And I saved up for uh, drums. And mm-hmm. I didn't know how to play drums at all. So I just practiced every <laughs> single day. And God bless my parents, mm-hmm. right? You ever hear a kid play drums and can't oh, play? It's fucking horrible. Yeah, so my parents, uh, for four years, Every, you know, almost every weekend, they we had a guys over. Humored your high school band yeah, rehearsals. Yeah. And they actually went on to become the first emo band, believe it or not, in the world. What was kind of cool about that was, you know, all through high school, I had the music friends. And then I had, obviously, the sports group. And it was nice to be able to co-mingle a little bit and you see things from a different angle. Because uh, everyone hates the jocks and everyone hates these guys. And right. So it was just kind of cool to be able to, to see both sides and... I didn't care. I just wanted to play music and hit people. That's pretty much all I came down to. Right, exactly. You are best known for two things, it seems. Um, Thousand Pound Squat (laughs) and then the development of 531. And can you kind of give like a layman's terms? What is 531 and Uh, then kind of how you developed it? Um, I have to explain this to my parents' friends all the time. Okay, there you go. Good. (laughs) Give us that version. our, Our neighbors are like, why don't you ever go to work? Are there rumors that you're like a secret oh. squirrel for the military or something? Yeah, I got the uh, drug dealer. was a big one for a while, for a couple of years. Good, good. Um, I don't care. Like, uh, you think, what, is that, is, does that keep you away from me? Yes? Oh, yeah, that's what I am. Uh, don't come <laughs> over. Uh, right. Anyway, uh, so 531 is a uh, weight training program that allows you to know what to do on each and every day, on each and every lift, exact weights. And so what I found, and I've been really working on this for, I don't know, 20 years, I've been trying to do this stuff like this, was I wanted to have a plan, an exact plan, uh, a long-term plan. Uh, so when I go in the weight room, I know exactly what I'm going to do, weight for weight. Rather than just going in, I'm like, I guess I'm doing this, and you don't even know, you have no goal to, sh- to shoot for on that day. Just kind of wing it. And that only works for so long, uh, especially if you're serious about you know, getting stronger or getting more fit or whatever the hell else you want to call it. So I, de- I have tried to find the simplest and easiest way that will really make sense to people and would make sense to me because I originally developed for me. And uh, mm. <clears throat> it really caught on because it was so damn simple. You know, I got a lot of people when it first came out like, well, you know, I get it and I understand it, but, you know, it's so easy. And I'm like, well, just try it. And everyone, you know, not everyone, because I got a lot, obviously, you know, once you get a little steam going and some notoriety, everyone, a lot of people hate you. Yeah. 
my husband is strongman guy and okay. um and I think he's had five three one since it first came out. In fact, yeah. the book I keep putting the book on the shelf, but it keeps showing back up on the couch. So <laughs> like Elf on the shelf. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like it keeps just showing up. So I, you know, if that makes you feel good, um, yeah, it yeah. never leaves our couch. We've sold God knows uh, half a million copies and you know a bunch of other uh, whatever. And so people had tremendous success because for the most part, everyone that reads that book is not what I would call a lifter. They're just guys who want to get strong or girls who want to, you know, they have other yeah. things to do in their life. You know, I liken it to trying to change your oil. I don't need to know all the ins and outs. Just show me what to unplug and where to put the pan and what to put in. You know, mm-hmm. I don't need to know all the specifics of how things work. And so that's kind of who it's written for. It kind of dumbs everything down, which is how I, Everything in my life is like dumbed down because I'm not, I'm not dumb, but I'm not like the smartest guy in the world. And I don't want to waste all my time, you know, figuring out the philosophy of, uh, like I play guitar, like just show me where to tune, where to put my hands. I'll figure out the rest of the shit. Just show me a few things, but it ended up catching on like insanely. You said you announced your book with just like a single Facebook post. Yeah. 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 Well, this, every single book I've ever written, except for the last one, we did no um, marketing. We just put a post up like, Hey, the book's out. If you want it, that's cool. I think it works for a couple of reasons. One, I developed a good core audience and I've tried to, every book I've written. I've tried to, to give more than I was able to give. Does that make mm-hmm. sense to you? Yeah, right. Cause you mm-hmm. can only burn people once. Um, and then the number two is I don't put out a lot of shit. I think there's three or four years between each book. Um, I just, I don't know how you can put out a book every six months with new information. It just doesn't work like that. At least not for me. I have mm-hmm. to go through all the, uh, number three, I don't post a lot on social media. Um, and people like, dude, you got to post twice a day. I'm like, I don't even do anything interesting yeah. twice. I go to Popeye's. Is that big fucking news? I go to Popeye's. I love Popeye's. Oh my God. It's my fucking okay, Achilles. I have yeah. never been. Oh, I love fried chicken. Maybe and, I'll go today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Was this the first time that somebody had, um, taken a, a lifting program and then kind of like condensed it for the everyday person. I don't know of any, cause I've, there, there might've been others, but I never really saw anything. Now there's been guys who've written books on programs, but I could always drove me nuts when I'd see a program that says squats and then say five sets of five, right. or they'll say, just go up 10 pounds every week. Well, it doesn't work. I teach a lot of younger kids who maybe haven't really reached man puberty. I call it puberty. <laughs> dad boss. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, or if you, uh, work with uh, female athletes who have generally weaker upper bodies, mm-hmm. I think just can't increase five pounds every so often. It just doesn't work like that. So you needed something that dialed everything in. It just blew up. I was at the right place at the right time, and I had all the did all the work. Uh, you know, I was ready for the opportunity. There's this uh, growing, like you know, Instagram uh, trainers or whatever you want to say it, or I'll mm. call it fitness motivators. I guess this it comes down to anything is what have you really done? Um, that's that's worthwhile. Like uh, I'll give you an example. So I I got. I won three letters at the University of Arizona. Okay. okay. I was a walk-on. I got a scholarship. I worked my ass off. I wasn't the What does walk-on mean? That means you go onto the team. You have no scholarships. You have to pay your way through school. Wow. You're treated okay. like garbage. I wrote a whole article about how that really taught me that every, not everyone's equal. If you contribute, then you, you know what? You might, uh, you might get some slack when you come in late to a meeting. I didn't have that same slack. 
So, okay, so then I squatted a thousand. I had, a, I got my name on the record board at Westside. Explain to us what Westside is. Uh, Westside Barbell is a gym in Columbus, Ohio. It's uh, started and run by a guy named Louis Simmons. It's a private club. Like you just can't walk in there and train. For the past, I don't know, 20 years or so, probably even more. It, for the most part, you have the, some of the strongest men who ever walked the planet. Real characters, you know, it's a different world in there. I saw a guy who was 220 pounds squat, you know, 1025. And this was, you know, 15, 18 years ago. So it's just, it's a different world. So, and so I did that. And then I, you know, sold, uh, you know, shit ton of books. I've been all over the world and doing all this stuff. When I go coach, started coaching the football team, none of the kids really know who I am. You know, I'm just a mm-hmm. guy who walks down the street and I got all these tattoos. And there, and this, some kid comes up to me, he's like, you got like, 40,000 like or followers on Instagram, man. That's fucking huge. And I was like, really? That's, that's where I get my fucking credibility from you. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah, it, was, it, was, wow. it was something else. And I was like, well, there you go. You know, anyway. it's very, um, it's really great. Then what you do is so like, it works so well off of social media. You know, yeah. it is such a tangible, your book is tangible. It's a very tangible activity. It's, I was lucky because I didn't get activity. Uh, renowned before well, there's no social media when I first started yeah, maybe there right. was 2001 is when I started at EFS so on the subject of the coaching thing what was the impetus for doing that two things one I think if you believe in something and you don't fucking do it then you're a hypocrite if you're not willing to do what you're asking the government to do then you don't get to tell anyone else what to do with their money so I my wife and I were talking and we're doing all this stuff and I was like you know for a long time, I thought I was doing a lot of help to the world doing what I was doing because I answered so many questions and I, you know, and everything was for free and I was helping people out. And, and then you realize nothing takes the place of one-on-one. So then I started thinking, you know, I, we, our goal is to raise good kids. That's really what I want to do. That's how you change the world. You don't change the world by crying about stuff. And you change the world by making an impact in the kid's life. So... I know I'm doing that at home, at least we're trying. And I was like, well, what's, what's the next step? And that's helping my community. And I don't cook. My mom cooked for the homeless for years and years because she's a really good cook and she loves doing that shit. You know, she loves slaving over the stove and like making all these huge dishes. And, and I was like, well, I'm, you know, if I'm telling people that this is what needs to be done and I'm not doing it, then I'm a, I'm a fucking fraud. And I said, you know, either I put up or shut up. I, I know this is something I believe in. So um, I called the coach up and you know, they needed people. And I said, I look like a freak. And he's like, that's okay. And uh, we need people. And uh, it's, it's took off from there. But I, you know, I didn't, you don't get paid a lot doing this stuff. And I said, I don't want a paycheck, just put all to the kids, you know, if they need something, we'll, we'll take care of it. And it wasn't like, I'm not a martyr, because it's like, I don't need the money. I just I felt like, you know, if I'm going to do this, you do it and volunteer. And, you know, if you look over like a giant city, like kind of where we grew up. Do you know how many people could be helping around there? Just doing little shit. It doesn't have to be a lot. Uh, just doing something that you're good at. If you're a good music teacher, maybe you help out at the community center teaching kids music for you know, three times a week or something for an hour. Something like that. And <clears throat> that's the one thing I'm good at is coaching and, and you know, training and getting all the kids, you know, all that stuff. You know, every kid gets their own training workout. You know, I print them out every three weeks. And this is how our community works. And I'm very proud of this. Let's say, for example, at London High School, we don't, it's not a very rich community, right? It's a farm community. Mm-hmm. But the heat was out. 
instead of going and bitching about it, you know what you do? You go and fucking fix the heat or put heaters in. We'll all chip in. The answer is never the government. The answer is you guys mm-hmm. coming together, getting shit done, and not waiting around. And that, that empowers us as a group. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, you know, it's the same thing. Like uh, we, my wife and I, we, we, have, <laughs> we live by two things. You ready for this? One, we live so far below our means, it's, not, it's gross. Okay. Um, because now we have no debt. We're about to pay off our house. We don't have any car payments. We have nothing. And number two is I always date my wife. Hmm. So I still act like I'm 16 around her. Imagine Do you mind that. me asking where y'all met? All right, this is a, kind of a nutty situation. Love it. Uh, I had been married before, and she had been married before also. Uh, when I, I used to work at a company called Elite FTS. Myself, Dave Tate, who's the owner, and I think two other guys are the first guys to be on what was known as the EFS Q&A, and it fucking blew up. And then I answered like a thousand emails a, a month, too, on top of it. It was oh, just gosh. fucking crazy. What's even crazier is when I first started, I was EFS's or Lead FTS, whatever you want to call it, first employee is that I remember. Really? Okay. So we were in a tiny place in tiny uh, business front, and it was just dilapidated. Oh. And But it was what we could afford. And Dave and I, would, we would take the phones and we'd package shit up. That's what we did. Oh. Me and Dave, there was no air conditioning. So was, Dave was 305 pounds. I was 275 <laughs> No shirt on, just taping fucking boxes up, grabbing shit off the shelf, just bullshitting, you know, having a good time. And uh, yeah, that's what we did for, we were there for, I don't know, four or five, three years, maybe. When you start a business, it's not you're up in the CEO box, you know, yelling at your people, you're on the fucking ground floor. So by the time I left EFS, I had done every single job. I learned coding for the website. Really? (laughs) I did all the uh, sales stuff. I did all the copy when you write on the website and stuff. Yeah, so by the time I left in two, okay, so this coincides with my wife. I left in 2010. Now, at the time that I was there, we had brought more people into the EFS Q&A to help answer questions and write articles and just be part of it, right? So then my wife was asked, she was the first female to be asked on there because we wanted a female presence. We thought, you know, she could reach because she was a, she'd done figure, ton of figure stuff. She did some powerlifting me. She did some kettlebell shit. Uh, she was a swimmer in college, so she had this huge athletic background, and she did a lot of stuff. That's how I met her, but I, you know, nothing happened. Like we were just like, I'm like, hey, welcome, you know, do you have any questions? And you know, maybe she'd ask me something, and that was it. And that was for like a year or so. And ironically, about a year before we met, she had just released a book. Okay. And on Valentine's Day, EFS ran a special, and then they were pairing my book and her book together as a. Right, and it said a match made in heaven. That's so romantic. This is the weird part. I had just left EFS, and the scary thing about leaving your job is when I had no idea where I was going to get money. It's very stressful. Mm-hmm. My friend, my two, one of my two of my best friends, Matt Rhodes and Vincent Desenzo, were doing a seminar with Juliet in Boston. And I called my buddies up and I said, "Hey, Rhodes, Vincent, I'm going to come with you guys. I don't want to speak. I just want to. I need to fucking get out of here." Mm-hmm. So. Juliet's there. Man, I, we picked her up at a Starbucks in New York City. I walked in that Starbucks and I saw her. It was the first time in person. I said, I'm going to fucking marry this girl. Oh, oh my. Yeah. Uh, she went back. She lived in New Jersey. And I said, uh, we only spent like three days together and stuff. And I said, I will fly. I'm going to fly out next week to you. She's like, yeah, all right. So, yeah, I, like Wednesday, I called her up. I'm like, all right, you're picking me up in Newark. Airport. She's wow. like, are you serious about that? Wow. And then I told her that weekend I wanted to marry her. 
Oh, I'm like, I don't care what you say. I'm like, this is going to fucking happen. I don't know when, but we're going to do it. And then like a month later, we were living together. What a great story. Yeah. We'll get right back to my conversation with Jim shortly, where I ask him about the whole eat, sleep, mate, defend thing. It's very interesting. Stay tuned. If you've been enjoying this podcast, or if you're listening for the first time today, welcome. And you happen to enjoy it, tell your friends. You can find more episodes at RogueOnesPodcast.com. Let's get back to my conversation with Jim and see how you, as a rogue, can implement the eat, sleep, mate, defend philosophy. I want to ask you about your uh, philosophy, eat, sleep, mate, defend. Well, I, I got I got that from, and I'm going to probably butcher this. I, I'm a huge person in the music, as we found out. And I have so many albums laying around. And I saw that when I was probably nine, uh, shit, I don't know, 25, maybe, mm-hmm. 24. Uh, I, I want to say the band is Burnt, Burnt by the Sun. It's a hardcore band. I'm not sure. And I... Uh, I, it was on their, I think their, I don't know, if, I don't think it was the name of their CD. It might have been, but I know it was on this actual CD. And I was like, my God, if, if you're going to whittle life down to the, the bare essentials, because uh, you have to remember up until, uh, I don't know, maybe 150 years ago, the majority of your existence was survival. Yeah. Now, it, it's crazy to think about that because all this shit that you do during the day, how much, like, you don't even have to worry about food. I had like this realization, like how lucky we are and how we take it for granted. Life is awesome. And you got to really appreciate the shit that you have. I just remembered like how life used to be. And even if you, if you take, uh, without all the, the, the uh, static, that's pretty much what we are. You know, we eat, we sleep. That's like the basic essentials. Uh, now mating, that's just kind of a tough, you know, not everyone wants to mate. Not everyone should mate. But from the, like defend is not, I think everyone thinks like you have to be a karate dude or something. You're in a constant state of kind of like, I have to I mean, my wife and I are responsible for my son's well-being, but you're always fighting to, to maintain your integrity, uh, to maintain your, uh, your attitude. I always tell the kids this, and this is kind of like how life works and how a football game works. I tell the kids all the time, I do not care if we win or lose. That means nothing to me. All I care is that you win, you take every battle during a game, that's every single play is a battle. And you try to win that battle. If everyone takes that attitude, and at the end of the game, the score will take care of itself. If you win all the battles, you're mm-hmm. going to win the war. Okay. Now, sometimes you don't win all the battles. They do. And then the score reflects that, and that's okay. They were just a better team that day. And that's okay, but did you battle your, your, your ass off, okay? And so, in life, like every little, I don't, I only do one thing at a time. Like I always, you know, just one thing when like when I get out of bed in the morning, I'm, I'm a horrible sleeper. So getting up mm. kind of kills me. Just put your feet on the ground. That's battle one. Get your ass to the shower. Battle two. Yeah, you know right. what I'm saying? So it's this constant state of just winning the little, little tiny battles throughout the day. So it's, it's more of a uh, kind of a, it's, if you really want to get kind of why I did that, it was kind of a call to how, basic life can be and if you allow things to be basic it doesn't have to be easy but it's going to be much simpler yeah right i know it sounds like i'm like anti-technology i just i want to be with my family more than anything and i want to be present um you don't do you have kids no yeah so it's 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 a lot different because they see you on your phone or they see you on your computer and they're like they just want some like dad like you know what what am i doing that's so fucking important yeah. Like, you know, my kid wanting to play Legos is much more important. I don't know. There's no phones allowed in our school's weight room. And the kids are all interacting. Mm. 
there's such a camaraderie. Um, that's one thing that I think football gives people more than anything is we have a lot of kids who are amazing athletes on the team. We have kids that are really not that good. And they're always a part of it. I had a player come up to me who plays football. He's a good football player. And he plays basketball. And he said, you know, the difference between basketball and football is when you're in football, you everyone means something, like on our mm-hmm. team. So there's mm-hmm. like a camaraderie built. And, you know, you may not be the best, but if you – if you put forth the effort, the kids will respect the hell out of you. So I, this is completely random, right? Before yeah. we wrap up, what do you listen to when you're training? That's, I have, weight room is like uh, my refuge. I have my own weight room in my house and we don't have anything else in that garage. It's just my weight room and my wife obviously trains there. But like I decorate it with like music posters and stuff and like stuff I really like. So I want it to be home. That's my home. That's where I work. The, the funny thing is, is because I'm such a music snob, um, I listen to a lot of stuff that I've had since I was like 15, 13, 11 years old that I still love today. So, or that's where I, my, I have a group of friends who are really into music. It's awesome. Like this world of training has, I got friends all over the place. We all, we have a continuous group text going like, check this mm-hmm. band out, check this. So that's where like, if they say, you know, like I check it out, but for the most part, <laughs> I try to put on something somewhat calm, but I listen to a lot. There's a band called Crippled Black Phoenix, which is kind of like a proggy Pink Floydian kind of stuff. Um, Cause it kind of relaxes me. There's a, one of my favorite bands is called Dragged in the Sunlight. They put out an album called Widowmaker. And the first song is just violin and uh, a cello. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, 15 minutes long. That first song. So it's like how I warm up. It's just like, ah, mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. lulling you to sleep and stuff. I still listen to some stuff, but it's not, I think when I was growing up, uh, first of all, we didn't really have a radio that you could control. It was just like the radio station when I was growing up in mm-hmm. my first weight room. So it's it was I never really used music to like pump me up. I just use it because like if you listen to Slayer or something, I use it to relax. Like ah, oh, this is me. Like I'm a, you know this is something I grew up with. So it's more of a relaxing thing or something I really kind of like to hear. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. I don't. Yeah. I'm not. Well, I'm also at the point in my life where I don't like go scream and do shit in the weight room. I still train incredibly hard, but I'm not, you know, putting. You don't have those. Um, what are those nose things that they? Oh, nose uh, torque and shit like that. Yeah, that stuff doesn't. It's work. so funny to be at the um at those strongman meets and it's like oh, the yeah. top. It's the top rep of the deadlift, and they're like screaming and running. Yeah. And my mom has always kind of made fun of it all because she's like, they get all worked up, and then it's like two seconds. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, it's like when you lift the, the car off the kid. That's like yes. the adrenaline spike that you're getting. The uh, yeah. tough thing about that is if you've ever, like when you do it in meets, it's different, but you can't keep that up. And so you got to learn right. how to train with an, a somewhat elevated level of, but you can't do that every set, every set of every yeah. workout. You have to learn how to be calm. And like my whole life has just been, uh, you know, lifting weights and hanging out with great people and uh, meeting the most wonderful woman in the world. So I'm very lucky. I just wanted to close with a quote of yours. And you can riff on it if you want, but I just wanted to close with it. Um, I've said a lot of dumb shit, people. So We yeah, all do, don't I we? Don't care. Um, yeah. So this one is, uh, people are not attracted to vanity. They're attracted to confidence, passion, and life movement. No one owns a room by the way they look. It's how they carry themselves. There's so much more to this, but please don't talk about your love handles, which I appreciated. You then go on to say, act on your passions in life, move boulders, read be polite, further your education, minimize personal and financial debt, and take ownership of every part of your life. 
And now, I just think that's fantastic. I can, I can talk about this for another half hour, but I'm going to, I tell a guy, when I coach the kids, I always bring them up and try to give them some stuff. Mm. And the one thing that I, my dad taught me is like, it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. Mm. Um, that's when I got hit by the car. Uh, my life was in sh- like, it was horrid. I should have died. And I was all alone in like a fucking ditch in a dark, you know, it's like 1130 at night. And luckily my, it's just, I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I had to get my spine was fused. I was, my wife took care of it. Like I had road rash all over my body. You know, it fucking oh sucks. It's one of the worst, but it was like, I could sit there and complain about it and blame that guy. And it was his fault, but whose responsibility is it for me to get better? And it's mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that happens to you, whether you like it or not, it's going to suck. Like, dude, I got handed a shit ton of lemons, but I never, I didn't really feel sorry for myself. Cause I was like, well, I don't know. It's just like when you play football, I tell the kids all the time, football is a hundred percent injury sport. You're going to get fucked up. Mm. If you expect it, then everything's like, ah, I got hurt. You know, that's the way it goes. So it didn't really bother me. I'm like, yeah, you know, just, you know, people beat cancer. What's this? Right. So, uh, mm. but the other thing I told the kids today, you know who Gene Simmons is? The singer for Kiss? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, He was on a talk show or something one time, and some lady got up. And, you know, Gene is, he loves being a man and just doesn't apologize for anything. Yeah. And she yeah. was all pissy with him, and she said, and this always stuck, I heard this 20 years ago. She said, uh, I bet you're the kind of man who walks in the room and thinks you're the most handsome man there. And his response was, well, if I don't believe it, then who will? And I was like, holy shit, Gene Simmons. I told the kids, if you don't believe in what you're doing, no one else here will believe you. Yeah. And you have to start believing in everything that you do. And it's like, it's okay if you suck and just own up to it and get better. But all that stuff, like when I see, especially these days with, you know, how social media is and everyone's taking these pictures and making sure their abs look right and stuff. I think people get so caught up. Like, like, hey, girls will like me if I have a six pack. And you say, well, that might be true, but they're not the good ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does that make sense to you? Like, well, they're not yeah, the people. So. I would ever, ever, not even, like, have a one-night stand. I don't even want to deal with them. And, like, all the good girls and the good guys just don't really care that much. Especially guys. Like, I know this sounds really bad. W- way girls look and all this stuff, it's, so they don't get made fun of by other girls. Ghost guys like, hey, you look pretty good. You know, you got jeans on? Yeah. That's fucking cool. <laughs> I don't care what kind they are. For yeah, the most right. part, guys just don't really care as much, at least not once they get to a certain point. Now, they might, young guys might say some pretty shitty stuff, but most of the mature guys don't give a shit. Like I told my wife, I said, I'd rather have a lady who's 50 pounds overweight, who's awesome to be with, who's confident in herself, who's funny, smart, you know, all that stuff, is not ashamed of uh, her body when she's in bed, than having mm. some uh, stuck up, you know, 8% body fat girl. Uh, mm-hmm. who's all about this and that. I just want to live my life with a fucking awesome woman. That's yeah. it. I know there's not, not everyone should get married and all that stuff, but man, having someone at your side is fucking awesome. My mom and dad were both teachers, so they really stressed, uh, not education, obviously in school, but you know, outside of it. And they were, like I always read, that was just part of the thing. You know, when mm-hmm. you grew up in our family, you were just a reader and, and um, and then once I got involved with sports, that was a big thing too. And I, you know, I always, I've told this story a million times, but I can't tell you how many people have told me you'll never go anywhere writing, reading, and lifting weights. There's other paths to success. And you can kind of look a little weird. You know, I, I'm like, you know, I don't work a lot. You know, and I, I'm not, 
now I don't work a lot. Um, you know, all the way up until this, it was, you know, one thing after that, a lot of free work I did. Oh shit. I always tell people for two years, I made $800 a month. I wrote down when I was 19 years, 19 or 20, I wrote down what I wanted to do on a piece of paper. And I just like, I have to get there some way. Right. And I'm doing it today, but if, if you were to ask me when I was 20 what the perfect life was, there's no way I could predict how awesome this is. Hmm. My conversation with Jim was an hour and a half in total, and all the questions I had for him would have easily taken up the entire afternoon. He's a busy guy, and we didn't even get to touch on his autoimmune disorder, true story, he doesn't have a thyroid, his life-threatening motorcycle accident, or his love for Bob Ross. I won't tell you to follow him on social media because, well, he doesn't do anything on it and doesn't care if you follow him or not, but do follow along with him at jimwendler.com. I'm so grateful that Jim hopped on this call with me because once you get a view of him outside of the lifting world, you quickly find that his wisdom and convictions are worthy of anyone's respect, whether in a gym or not. Visit rogueonespodcast.com for all the information you could possibly need about all of the episodes in the past and future. We'll talk soon.